welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Preston M. Smith. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm Preston M. Smith, at PMS Artwork Everywhere on internet land and socials. I want to thank you for landing on this podcast. Whether you're a professional artist, just getting started in the art world, a collector of art, or just consider yourself a creative person, this podcast has something for you. I like to think of it as a fun way to rant and talk to other creative people about living the life of an artist, surviving and getting ahead in the art world, and enjoying your life. But most importantly, not waiting until you're dead to make it happen. All right, let's get started. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, sir. Hello to you, sir. How are you? How are you? I'm doing awesome. Great. Oh, I love this How background. Doing, where are you? Uh, I know you're from originally from South Africa, but where are you uh, working out of right now? Miami. Oh, you're Miami. Okay, cool. Yeah. Recently, like relocated from Los Angeles. Ah, yeah. I saw somewhere in my digging and stocking that you were in Topanga or something for a while. That's right. Yeah. Ah. I, I, we still have our house there. Oh, very cool. You're talking about Topanga um, Canyon, correct? Oh, yeah. My wife and I live in Reseda, and we drive down there all the time. We love that area. Oh, cool. Oh, so you're LA-based. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, cool. Well, I'll be I'll be going out there next week to oh, uh, nice. create more prints for the art. So Ah, yes. You're a traveling man. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to travel a lot less. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now that my work shifts into art space rather than photography space, I, I, you know, you need to show up for the work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is this is great because we're going to get into this. I know it's an unorthodox start, but we're going to get into all the transitioning. I'm really interested in that. But I wanted to start by reading your bio, and I figured I would just read your bio from your website because I could do my own little hodgepodge, but I'll probably screw it up. So let me just read for everybody who you are, Warwick Saint, and I'm pronouncing that correct, yes? Perfectly, actually. Well okay. done, thank you. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I thanks go to Sarah, because I would have been like, <laughs> well, Warwick. So, yeah. uh, Warwick Saint is an award-winning photographer, multidisciplinary artist, and founder of Saint Studio, home to the Cutting Edge Love Saint series, and supporter of philanthropic initiatives such as the Million Gardens Project, renowned for his masterfully lit, iconic portraits of beloved ce- celebrities such as Oprah, Harrison Ford, Zendaya, Beyonce, and LeBron James, 
Saint got a start in fashion with his legendary Elephant Boy series based on his South African roots. He proceeded to lead worldwide photographic campaigns for the Olympic Games, BMW, Nike, and World Cup Soccer. As a visual artist, Saint has collaborated with countless musicians and performers, having created some of the most iconic album covers of the last 20 years, including The Diary of Alicia Keys, that's a big one, Love by J-Lo, and Just Dance. At his core, Saint is passionate about supporting art projects, campaigns, and causes in a tangible way to create a more beautiful world. I know that is just a fraction of what you do. I know you have <laughs> done so many different campaigns, so many different projects, worked with so many different people. Just to give people an idea, my wife and I were re recently watching Tar, and we're like, Kate Blanchett, he's worked right. with her. We, were just, we just started watching Poker Face. Uh, we're like, Adrian Bodie worked with him. Mm -hmm. My wife is from Argentina. We just watched the World Cup with her family and uh, saw Argentina win, which was amazing. And you've worked uh, with the World Cup twice, correct? Uh, Euro Cup and World Cup. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So we will get into everything else yeah. later, but I thought we'd start at the beginning. We always do an origin story. So do you want to take us through your, your history? You can start as early as you want, take as long as you want. All right. Uh, well, I started out as a photographer that was my that was my initial um conscious choice of like okay now i'm going to be a photographer and that yeah. happened at around the age of 17 18 years old after the passing of my father uh, who died in a car accident when i was 17 but you know i i actually was born into the photographic industry my mother was a model she was a pretty famous model in south africa in the 70s you know, as famous as, as you can get in South Africa, which is a very small industry, but nevertheless. Right. Uh, so my famous earliest man. memories, exactly. My earliest memories are, you know, going on photo shoots when I was three, four and watching her modeling, you know, and all, you know, my parents split when I was two. I never knew them to be together. Mm -hmm. All my mother's boyfriends and, and friends were mostly photographers. So I had this influence of the, the mom's boyfriends being photographers. She eventually uh, remarried another photographer and my father ran a very successful graphic design advertising agency in South Africa called Grapple Group and he left and worked in Paris and Detroit and San Francisco when I was from the ages of five to about 12 and came back to South Africa in 12 and then reopened Grapple Group and so on the one hand I was getting the influence from my mother's side who transitioned from modeling into production and styling and she, she was still modeling, actually, till the day she died. She died about a year ago. Oh, I'm um, sorry to hear that. At the age of 72, she was still modeling, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Uh, so on one side, I had I had influence from her in, the, in terms of the production and photography and all the influences of her, you know, her network. And on the other side of things, I would go and work in my father's graphic design studio in my holidays. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the age of 15, I was designing uh, logos for food chain companies and things like that and be sitting in on board meetings and you know he'd be presenting my designs with the clients and all that it was kind of kind of fun that's cool but anyway he he tragically died at, at 17 just when i was really starting to get to know him and and uh, through the grieving process i took about two months off school I, I just really couldn't face the world it was a it was a it was a terrible really bad i mean there's never a good time to lose a parent but but that was particularly painful because he was never really a good father to me and i always felt sort of issues of abandonment because he basically did abandon us i suppose and it was just getting to the point where i was starting to get to know him again 
like oh, well, man. you know, and then boom, just gone. So to work through the grief, it's hard I to actually, get closure with that too, you know. Yeah, yeah, and also what was interesting about that is, you know, I'll just touch on this briefly is that it was difficult for me to there wasn't really anything tangible to grieve necessarily because there wasn't that missing chair at the dining room table every night or the right. You know, my 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 immediate life was exactly the same. Nothing had changed. I just all of a sudden didn't have a dad, you know. Right. So it was it was difficult to wrap my head around that. And and part of the process, I think, of grieving was I sort of locked myself in my bedroom for two months and just painted every day. So it was kind oh. of this cathartic therapy. And then when I came out of that and I finished school and you know, and then I went on to study philosophy and art history at, at university, I was very aware of you know, I didn't really want to be seen by following in my father's footsteps. You know, he had mm-hmm. sort of left a legacy behind. And I kind of was more influenced by photography. And when I, you know, after he died, I went to Mauritius for three weeks to be on a photo shoot with my mother, who was doing a big shoot for all these resorts, these incredible resorts around Mauritius. So I was having such a great time. And that's when I started assisting. And I was like, this is cool. I want to do this. It's travel. It's <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I don't want to be seen following in my dad's footsteps. So I'm going to throw myself into become a photographer. That's it. You know, and yes. I built myself a darkroom and I studied art history and philosophy and I was shooting and printing every night and just doing it. And then, you know, when I finished university, I was like, that's it. I'm going to London. I'm going to start my phot- photographic career. I'm going to be an assistant. And I packed my bags and off I went. So there we go. Wow. That's how it started. <laughs> there you go. I love it. <laughs> Well, there's so many transitions. Well, first of all, selfishly, I have to ask, I know you're doing some mixed media work now with your series, mm-hmm. Love Saints, but painting is such a cathartic expression. I'm a painter, obviously. Yes. Did you continue the painting while you were doing uh, phot- photography at all? Yeah, you know, I, I, sort of, I would say no, I didn't. I mean, it was interesting because I was studying guitar quite intensely. Mm-hmm. I was painting a fair amount. And then when I made the decision to kind of go into photography, it was just like everything just, I just dropped everything. Yeah. Like it was my sole focus. Yes. And uh, I think, you know, there's a pros and there's cons to that kind of thing, right? It's like, obviously the pro was I became really good, really quick. And the ambition drove me to, you know, world-renowned success relatively quickly. But, you know, the con of it is that I I think it's important to, keep playing in different aspects of creativity i really do i think it's important to do and i know you 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 experiment that a little bit in that you know yeah. sort of keep keep things broad because you know now i'm like trying to learn guitar again like 50 you know i'm just like i read that yeah if I, if I if i if i had kept going you know i'd be a, like a great guitarist now and if i was if i kept painting you know maybe it would have even been better in terms of my artistic expression is photography. So I think, yeah. it, it, you know, it's a double-edged sword, right? And uh, But maybe you, now, maybe you would have taken away from some of your photographic work as well. You never know. Who's, you never know. And, I, yeah. and you know, one, what I would have to say is, you know, by what trajectory am I comparing this to? Yes. Like, in other words, what's the, what's the perfect life out there that doesn't exist that I'm trying to compare exactly. my life to? It's just it's ridiculous, right? So, yeah. Everything that has happened to get me to this point, I am super grateful for because I am happy and it, I am just, I feel very expressed and you just got to be grateful for all of it, you know? It's amazing. And yeah. to see that you're now reconnecting with your musical background a little bit with guitar, 
I've lost touch with that. I used to play guitar a lot. I was in a punk ska band for a while, but I've lost, I have my guitar sitting right here, but I never touched right. it. And to see that you're now painting again, that's wonderful. And and you're working with your wife and collaborator, mm-hmm. Ariel, yeah. right? Yeah, yep. I do. I mean, so, so basically, you know, I, I picked up the paintbrush again in 2000, end of 2018. Uh, and we can talk about that transition because I think that might be interesting to some of your listeners. But just to kind of clarify, the Love Saints is a collaboration that I do with my wife. It's kind of like a, it's a, it's a product of our two artistic um, abilities coming together. Yes. She is, she's an incredible poet and songwriter and a great creative director. And it all began uh, in 2013 when I met her. I was just very, very inspired by her because I was totally in love. Yeah. And we were traveling around and I had my camera and I'm just like, I just want to shoot you. And she became my muse. <laughs> There you go. But everywhere we went, we went to Botswana and New Zealand and Hawaii. And I was just like, take your clothes off. Let's shoot you in the landscape. Let's shoot, shoot you over here. Like, shoot you over there. And yes. throughout that process, a few of our friends uh, approached us and like, would you mind shooting us together? Would you mind, you know? And that's how the Love Saints started is that we would photograph our friends that were couples. And mm-hmm. and then, you know, that, that work became a multimedia painting. So we have it in some private collections. I can't say who because it's very private work. Yes. But we've done some very large, very majestic pieces uh, based in photography and then embellished in paint. So that's that's called The Love Saints. And it's kind of like representing their unique love and the essence of their relationship and then creating this beautiful um, North star to their relationship to reflect back to them, the highest resonance of why they're together. Yes. As a reminder, <laughs> when you're right in the midst of like a, a knockdown drag out fight, you can look at it and go, ah, yes, exactly. <laughs> no, but we all I, need symbols. We do. Oh yeah. And I, yeah. I was going to ask about the love Saint or uh, love Saint series later, but we might as well jump into it now on your website. If people want to check it out, do you want to tell people your website really quick? You know, you can look, you can check out warwicksaint.com. Uh, it's going to be, that's my artist site. Um, and the, there will be a link to Love Saints on that site. Um, yep. So yes, warwicksaint.com, W-A-R-W-I-C-K. Yes. And there's a section about the the Love Saints series and it's really cool. And there's a little bit of a, like if you put your cursor over the, over the piece, you can slide on some of them to see the original photograph and then see the transition into the mixed media painting, which yeah. I thought was really cool. And one of my follow-up questions with that is, are you doing commissions with that? Are you open to having people who, like a couple come up to you and say, Hey, we love this series. We'd love to be a part the, of it. The, the Love Saints is only commissions. Only commissions. Okay. Only commissions. Yeah. Cause it doesn't, you know, it, it, it really is the real thing. It's not, you know, we're not conjuring up or hiring people. It's a couple yeah. that, you know, we've had a couple of commissions as wedding gifts, you know, where, you know, it's a high price item, but you know, a community of people pull together and like pull stuff together for a wedding gift. And, you know, the couple gets this piece of this work of art, you know? Oh, as, that's great. And, you know, we work with a couple, I mean, Ariel's an incredible relationship coach. And, um, you know, we, we do a consultation with a couple and we say like, you know, how did you first meet? We get them all like really into their relationship. Like if you think about your relationship, what colors are, you know, come forth to you? Like, yes. you know, is there any symbols? Is there any poetry that you love? Is there any, you know, this is kind of like, it's kind of like, it's interesting because so many artists do their work and they're like, okay, we'll take it or leave it. And very much of my personal work as saint the artist as work saint the artist is that 
But I love exploring this too because it's like art in service of love. Yeah, and you can it feel really, it when it really you're looking is. at the pieces yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. I think a better a better link for the website would just be able to go to lovesaints.com because I don't Love know Saints. whether this Love Saints is going to live on my photography site or my artist site. So right. whichever, whichever it is, it'll go to check it out on lovesaints.com. That's um, the problem with being multifaceted. How do we exactly connect everything? Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's 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 a wonderful, it's a wonderful um thing to do. It really gives a lot of joy. It's very sacred, it's very sacred work because you know you are putting so much reverence and respect into people's authentic connection. Yes. And the photo shoot, you know, there's a, a photo shoot is, does happen, although sometimes we are looking at maybe doing it if people want to use some of their own photos, but we prefer to do the photo shoot and we get their love really embodied in, you know, very present with them. And, you know, they might want to be holding hands on the beach or they might want to be naked in bed. It doesn't matter. It's mm-hmm. like whatever's, whatever works for them. And, and, um, you know, when we go and do the painting, it's like, you know, we've unveiled Love Saints painting and people cry, you know, it's like, that's, oh, just, that's... A, just a beautiful validation of the, of the potency and of the work. And yeah, that's the from. best compliment you can get. Yeah. Seeing yeah. somebody emotional in front of your piece, crying, loving yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's amazing. For anybody who's interested, I'm, I'm assuming that's ongoing. If you ever want to commission, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you take you know, go yes. through a little vetting process first, but totally. yeah, there'll, there'll <laughs> be an inquire thing on the site. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, okay. So we talked about transitions and I jumped the gun a little bit, but I want to back up a tiny bit. And mm-hmm. you said when you went to London, you mm-hmm. started working with a photographer, how quickly did that happen? And what did that process look like for you? How quickly did it take for you to transition into a, a working environment like that? And then from that working environment into developing your own photography and starting to get your own clients. Yeah. Well, I, I you know, I, I moved to London when I was when I was 22 and I did my first real commission when I was 28. Okay. So I was working as an assistant solidly for six years in London. Um, and, you know, but I started assisting when I was like 16 or 17. So I've mm-hmm. probably been assisting for 10 years. I was very fortunate because the photographer that we that we that used to come out to South Africa a lot and my mother would work with what was living in London. So when I moved there, he kind of set me up, which was very, very, I was very fortunate. And he got me a interview with this other photographer by the name of John Bishop. And um, I scored a full-time assisting job after a month of being in London. And before I knew it, I was, you know, this guy was a, he was a very, very busy photographer. Yeah. And it was before I knew it. I mean, I was, you know, going to Paris three times a week and then Milan and the South of France in three weeks and then Miami and then back to South Africa. And the, I was just constantly, constantly traveling and staying in the, the races. most beautiful hotels and the most incredible places, shooting the most incredibly beautiful models. And, you know, it, I was just like, I've, I've just died and gone to heaven. This is the best, you know? And what a crash um, course too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. you, you got to, you know, and that was back in the days of film. Eh? It was very different. It was a very different time for photography. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're good. I was like, just to capture this, I, I worked with him for a while. Um, and then, and then I, and then I sort of went more freelance to work with some sort of cooler fashion, more editorial guys. Mm-hmm. And that lasted a few years. And then throughout that process, I was getting to know, you know, all the model agencies and I would test the models and I, managed to work a deal with a photographer friend of mine to use his like tiny little basement space in Covent Garden. We used cool. to pull models in and just do portraits and just kind of 
just you got to shoot for yourself, man. You got to do it as quickly as you can and, and develop that, develop that. And then, and then I got my break when I was 28. Nice. So yeah. did you, were you developing relationships with this too, as far as like clients that you'd be building off of later on? How does that process well, works? Or are you working with somebody who's, who's like a liaison between you and the clients? No, no, no. Uh, you, I mean, as a, as when you're assisting one of the, one of the big things, of course you're learning, which is great, but you're also making the connections. Yeah. So yeah. that's important. And a lot of the time you're making the, you know, like you'd be working with a photographer, so you'd be the photographer's assistant, but then the makeup artist would come and they would have an assistant and the stylist would be there and they would have an assistant. Of course, all right. their assistants band together and be like, Hey, like, let's do a shoot. You know, let's, let's organize this. Let's do something. And everybody shows up and we would shoot in my living room or my little apartment or we would shoot in this little basement place. And, and that's how you start, you know, that's how you get going. It's like, especially in photography or fashion photography, yes. because it's very much based on teamwork. Definitely. You need teams. Yeah. That's awesome. That sounds like a really fun time for you. What about the transition? Did you transition? I know you went back to South Africa and did some shoots. Was this during this process or afterwards mm -hmm. you went back and started doing like the Elephant Boy series and mm -hmm. that famous shot with the model and the cheetah running past, which mm -hmm. is amazing. Was mm -hmm. this was this after this or during? It was the, the, the Elephant Boy was my big break. I conjured that up. Like I was just, I was so keen to get going. At 28 years old. Oh. I was like, okay, I'm ready now. I'm never taking another assistant job ever again. That's it. Yep. And, you know, again, you know, I, I, I was fortunate because my mother was producing in South Africa and she had just done a big TV commercial with this big, huge elephant called Abu in Botswana, massive African elephant. And through those connections met this other lady who had an elephant park about six hours drive from Cape Town, oh, became wow. friends. and. And was like, oh, you know, would would you be up for a photo shoot? So we had this ability to do this photo shoot with African elephants. Now was the question of how we're going to pull the money together, how we're going to get out to South Africa, how we're going to get a model out there, how we're going to do this. And uh, and the way we did it was quite practical, actually. Is we went to all the new weekly newspaper magazines in London: the the Guardian, the Evening Standard, the Sunday Telegraph, the Sunday Times magazine. And all these magazines would have to have a fashion spread in them. Mm -hmm. So I could imagine the fashion editors were like, oh, my God, we've got to think of 52 ideas a year and commission 52. And we went there and we'd, we'd met these fashion editors from being an assistant, got a meeting. Yeah. It was like, hey, here's some ideas. We can do a shoot for you in South Africa for the same budget as you would do a shoot in London. What do you say? And we managed to pull together some budget. Nice. And I borrowed the money of my grandparents because they don't pay you straight away. And with that managed to score the commission from Dutch magazine to commission us to shoot with the elephants. Oh, wow. We went down to South Africa and we did it all at once. So it's and a bit of a leap of faith. You have to. Yep. I mean, I know. I mean, what I else are you going to do? <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. you have to break out your comfort zone and you have to take chances and you have to just, you know, and you have to have a vision. Yes. You know, it's like. Because there is the other side of that where you, you spend the money, you borrow the money, you do the shoot. Eh, it's okay. And nothing right. comes of it, right? Right. But luckily, you were talented. You had a good yeah. team working with you, and it led to uh, you know further gigs, which is great. Yeah. So face what about, your fears, and you will reach your destiny. Definitely. <laughs> was, and don't you find? <laughs> don't you find that you you can get complacent in different periods of your life, and like, oh, I've done this. Okay, I've got this. I can fall back on this. I always find when I start getting a little too complacent, it's time to 
to push that fear boundary again. Absolutely. Could not agree with you more. I have made that mistake. Yeah. Probably in two, two big phases of my life. And, you know, to all those out there, if you're not feeling challenged and inspired and you're feeling a little bit too confident and you're not, let's like have that little bit of nervousness around it, then you're not in the right place. So true. You know, every single shoot I've ever done when I'm like, oh, I'm feeling that nervous. I'm like, yes, good. Yeah. And then it, when some shoots, I'm like, I'm, not, I'm feeling totally fine about this. I'm like, oh no, oh my God. Like I should be feeling, I'm nervous about <laughs> not feeling nervous because this is like not, I should be having that little bit of tension, that creative tension. I've got to feel that creative tension, right? I, I completely mean, that's, agree. That's yep. what, and then it's, a, it's, the, it's resolving that creative tension, which is just like, ah, and then you got to build that creative tension again. Like that's the inner workings of an artist. Yeah. And you're also, you're rising to the occasion when you have those mm -hmm. nerves a bit. I mean, I get that when I do podcasts, even like my solo podcast or podcast interviews, if I don't have those butterflies a little bit, I'm like, ah, something's, something's totally. wrong here. Yeah. 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 Well, you, I want to talk, we've, we're going to talk about transitions more a little bit, but I also am very interested in, you said something that reminded me of something I saw David Bowie say in, a, in an interview one time. He's one of my, you know, one of my gods. But, me um, too. Oh, really? 100%. Did you ever get to work with Bowie? I, you know, only with Iman. I, ph I photographed oh. Iman a couple of times and oh, I met wonderful. Bowie once at a cocktail party, but I never photographed him. Oh, I would have, man. I mean, man, I would have loved to, but, but yeah, what a, what an incredible artist. Amazing. Like amazing. Like just, I, I went to his show at the Brooklyn museum. Yeah. I think it was traveling around and I, I, I cried. I couldn't, I couldn't, I just was crying at how prolific and how dedicated he was till the day he died. I know. Talk about yeah. going out as an artist too. I mean, he was just constantly wow. reinventing himself pushing the envelope. He was always ahead of his time. I mean, he was a true artist from, from the get go to the very end, but this is about you, but I won't, but, this, <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, you were saying something that reminded me a little bit of a Bowie quote, and I'm going to transition that into something when you were doing the Chinese Olympic weightlifters, because I found with me, and I'm sure it's probably similar with you because I've done over a thousand paintings at this time. And I used to find a lot of my inspiration everywhere, but I find now you can kind of dip back into old pieces and go, oh, this was interesting. I can explore this more. And when I heard you talking about the Olympic weightlifting and the chalk, mm -hmm. you know, the, when they were, mm -hmm. you know, clapping their hands and the chalk would rise mm -hmm. up and then you would take that element and apply it to one of your model shoots. I think mm -hmm. that's very interesting. And I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that a little bit and like recycling ideas. Yeah. Well, well, okay. So I've got a fair amount to say about this and it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, firstly, if you are like, as a, when you are a photographer, you, you know, it is slightly, it is, I, I believe it, look, photography is very artistic, but I believe it's, it's kind of a more of a, more of craft than it is artist because a lot of the time you're shooting for, for, for a particular purpose, like you're mm -hmm. doing an editorial for a magazine and there's fashion clothes and, or you're doing a advertising campaign or, you know, there's, there's other, there's not just, you're not, you're not doing it just for yourself. Right. So, you know, there's deadlines and sometimes you are doing two, three shoots a week. And when you show up, you have to have your ideas down. Mm -hmm. So you can't wait for inspiration to hit you. Yes. Right. You got to go make sure you find it. So it's a mindset. Definitely. definitely. And you, you know, you got to keep looking. So, so I would say it's definitely a mindset. Like you can find inspiration everywhere. If you have the right mindset, yes. So that that was something that I got trained with just out of necessity uh, in the photographic industry. And then another thing 
that, you know, like you would, as, as a photographer, you would kind of look at, but this is back in the days in the late 90s and early 2000s where like magazines were the shit, right? I mean, yeah. magazines were hit. You know, you know, all the latest things. Ahead. When a magazine came out, you'd be like, oh my God, who shot what? Yes. And you would look. And if you were to get, if you were to reference and get inspired by what's in the magazines, you're already six months too late. Definitely. It's like fashion. So, yeah. So in other words, you have to look elsewhere for references. And I always liked the idea of looking at my own work to reference my own work because it reinforces the uniqueness and the individuality of what you're doing. Yes. And so a lot of the time I would go back and look at old Polaroids and be like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. I never really explored that idea. Let's like build that out. Or this is weird. I looked at a Polaroid um, and it was a, this Polaroid was a mistake. It was, I was testing something out of my stylus as a lighting test and I hit the button and the flash didn't fire. And then I was like, okay, let me, and the flash fired. And I ended up with this double exposure. Mm-hmm. One that didn't, it was an outdoor shot in the garden, in, in this garden in Cape Town. And one didn't, one, one of the exposures didn't, the flash didn't expose and the other exposure, the flash did expose. So I got this interesting kind of like double image Polaroid that, you know, that kind of like they had this like light on it. It was really cool. And I, and I just kept the Polaroid. Like the and happy then later accident, I was right? a bit like happy accident. And then yeah. later I was like, oh man, I've got to, I've got to explore that. And then I, I did. And, and it, it came like this like, really cool technique that I used for the New York Times magazine and all that kind of stuff. It was my, it's my one flash to exposure technique. Off day, off, I call it off the off tea technique. That's so amazing. So, so yeah. So, so yes, looking at your own work and, and, and seeing where there's like little moments of little exit points that you can like go deeper, I think is a, certainly has worked for me and, and continues to work for me. I couldn't agree more. And I feel like some people talk about being bored or waiting for the muse to strike. It's there. It's everywhere. It's in the details. I find little pieces and paintings where I'm like, I can just explore that and do a whole series based off of this. Totally. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a really important lesson for any young artists listening. Let's talk a little bit about some of your... So so you've done musicians. You've done the beauty industry. Yep. You've mm-hmm. done athletes. You've mm-hmm. done actors, celebrities, mm-hmm. A-list celebrities. You did Alicia mm-hmm. Keys, J-Lo, Whitney Houston, Lady Gaga, Michael Bublé. Mm-hmm. Were there any favorites or interesting stories in there and 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 how do you come up with something like you were talking about thinking on your feet a little bit here and i know mm-hmm. the alicia keys one is very iconic is this something that you come in with a concept and then you're allowing yourself to be open to ideas in the moment as well i know you that was kind of a loaded the, question <laughs> yeah well you hit the nail on the head yes you do come in with a concept and you do allow yourself to be to, yeah. you do you do have to leave space for the magic to emerge right yes for sure because if you if you're that locked in on the concept in fact alicia keys is the perfect Perfect example, because I photographed Alicia Keys for the first time for Rolling Stone magazine, mm-hmm. and I had a concept that I wanted her, you know, I wanted a slightly wide-angle shot, and I wanted her arm to be super strong, and I wanted to be looking over her shoulder and create the super iconic. I had this idea, and I was, like, directing her like a statue, and I got the shot. I was super happy with it, but mm-hmm. her experience wasn't the best. Mm-hmm. So, when, so when it came, you know, because she didn't feel like she could just kind of move around and do what she wants to do right i mean you right. got to have that and then one of the creative directors by the name of ali trish who was working for j records at the time uh, uh, i think she was one of the big creative directors there uh, wanted me to shoot her album cover and she, she phoned me up and she was like 
I really want you to shoot Alicia's album cover. And when I mentioned you, she was like, oh, that guy, you know, he really was like so like anal about how he was directing me. <laughs> and, I, and, and she was like, but I really want you to do it. So would you mind going to like see Alicia? She's working, she's recording music at the studio. Just go and like reintroduce yourself to her and just, you know. Yeah. And of course I did. And I was like, I, actually, I totally get it. Like, of course, the next shoot will just be a lot more loose, I promise, you know. <laughs> and, and then I did a charm to her and, and we did the shoot. And, you know, so, so yeah, so, so we did go into the concept. We did want to get a, an old piano that we could, you know, move around and turn on the side. And there's, there's one shot that's taken from a Man Ray inspiration where you have the, uh, I don't know what you call them at the beginning of a musical thing, those kind of like squirrely lines that, the beginning of a musical score. Oh yes, I I should know this. My yeah. My best friends anyway, here, but <laughs> yeah. So we did one shot of that of that on her back, which was just you know. So so we do come in with with, with the concepts, but you do have to allow the magic because at the end of the day, when you're on a photo shoot, there are there's energy in the room. There's other people's energies. There's other people's creativities, and you you know you don't know. You have to expect the unexpected and be ready to ride that wave because that's how you get great shots. Yeah. And if you're too rigid, yeah. maybe you're losing out on some other great idea that's going to come up. Yeah. Did the famous shot of her, like the split screen with the keys mm -hmm. to the side, was that something that you came in with or, or something that evolved in the moment? It was pretty, I think that's what we, we actually planned on that because I, I definitely wanted to shoot the piano and I definitely didn't want to shoot her playing the piano. Mm -hmm. So I was working with a fantastic set designer by the name of Marla Weinhoff, who was just brilliant. I mean, she came from working with Richard Abaddon and people like that. And she got this really cool grand piano. And I was like, how can we, can we turn it on its side? Can we do stuff? And then, you know, through studying image making and stuff, you know, there's one thing that's really interesting about creating something that's iconic. And I, and I've actually used this a, a fair amount of times. Obviously it doesn't work for everything, but when you, when you want to create an iconic image, one of one great sort of uh, compositional technique is you, put your subject partially behind something mm -hmm. so that there is a barrier between the viewer and the subject. So in other words, they're not so available to the audience, right? But, but you can still see them and there's that little bit, and that sort of creates this sort of aspirational feel to it. And I, and I thought the, the piano on the side was a perfect thing to do it with because, you know, she's embedded in her music. She's embedded in the keys of the piano. And her name is Alicia Keys. And, yes. you know, she's just coming halfway out. So, like, Very you symbolic. see only half of her. You know, and I think that's what that's what really makes that album cover so epic. Yes. And also, yeah. what you're talking about, there's a little bit of mystery and a bit of a voyeuristic quality to it as well. Totally. It reminded me of one of your other photographs that I saw. I think it was a friend of yours, a musician. And you took a photo of him playing but he was but but the woman in front of him right. was taking up most of it and he was kind of in the background almost not in right. focus which i thought was amazing totally. i love that yeah, yeah totally yeah so you have a voyeuristic quality with that as well since we're talking about this a little bit I, I'm, I'm interested in some of these techniques that you use and you've, you've got a really cool breakdown of some of these techniques i was wondering if you wanted to talk about any of these or all of them, if you want. I know you're uh, inspired by Ed Edgerton. I think it's Harold. Edg Edg Harold Edgerton. Edgerton, sorry. Yeah. And the, yeah. is you can correct me if I'm wrong on this too. It's stroboscopic flash. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's many ways you can you can call it, but I would say like a, a kinetic sort of silhouette stroboscopic flash is a way of mm -hmm. capturing movement, which mm -hmm. which I, I've I've used a fair amount in my career. Mm -hmm. So, want me to tell you a, bit, a little bit about it? A little bit, yeah. or you can talk about yeah. um, OFTE or your, uh, there's like a Saint SDF 
techniques. There's a bunch <laughs> yeah, of stuff. I, I, was, I was taking notes on all these because I don't know a lot about photography. Yeah. But I, I know there are people who are listening who do. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I, 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 you know, Nike approached me to shoot the Euro Cup and it was 53 of their top footballers. Yeah. You know, everybody from Ronaldo through to, I mean, this was like the Brazilian team that won in 2004 or something, five, six or whatever it was. And so they were like, look, we want movement. We want just, I think they saw a, uh, an image I did in for days and confused magazine, which is where I first did this like focus stroboscopic. So, you know, I I've always loved in photography to push the boundaries of what the camera can do. Right. I've always mm -hmm. been super interested in using the camera as a tool to show us something that we wouldn't have access to with our vision. It's exactly. another visionary tool. It can compress time and it can span time, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I was influenced by the thing of Harold Edgerton because it's, I think the book is actually called Photographing Time. It's like high speed bullets going through apples and things oh, like that. Oh, yes. And, um, you know, so there's a, there's a lot of work where there's like the stroboscopic stuff where you see like a golf or a golf swing and you kind of see the whole motion in strobe, in strobe. But it's difficult to do that when you're doing fashion and a model because you kind of want to see the clothes and you kind of want to see the model's face and her expression. Yes. So I was like, well, how are you going to, you know, I really want to incorporate this technique, but I can't have, you know, 26 images of the model's face superimposed over each other. It's just going to look grotesque. Mm -hmm. So I was able to sort of get these strobe strobe flashes and just focuses on like one part of the body. So just her hands moving or just, you know, and, and this is the technique I used for Diesel, uh, the millennial campaign and shortly after Costume National. And then Nike approached me and they were like, look, we want to do these footballers. We want a lot of energy. We want to feel a movement. We want to feel it all. But it's really important. It's got to be done against a white background. <laughs> oh, wow. That is hard because <laughs> yeah. anything you do, I don't know, it's, I don't want to get too technical, but it, 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 you can't really do anything against white if you want to create anything that's shadow because when it's white, it's white, right? Right. So I, I, I did these tests of these techniques where I figured, I figured it out where essentially I would strobe just the background. Mm-hmm. So let's say we have a picture of Thierry Henry and he's jumping up and kicking a soccer ball. So when he's doing that, I might be exposing it for one quarter of a second or one third of a second. So in a third of a second, the foot actually moves a fair, a fair amount of the way, or maybe it'd yeah. be even less than a third of a second. And in that third of a second, the background would be flashed maybe four times. Mm -hmm. bop, 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 bop. And in, in, in the middle of that, I would flash the subject once. And if you can think about it, every time, if you think about it, if you have, and there's no light on the subject other than just this one flash that flashes once. So every time the background flashes, it creates a silhouette. Mm -hmm. But then the foot moves a little bit more, and then it's another silhouette. And then the foot moves, and then it's another silhouette. And then all of a sudden, the flash hits the foot, which exposes the foot. And then the foot moves, and then it's another silhouette. Yes. So you get this like kinetic silhouette thing happening, which uh, was I think was really really successful. I was super proud of it, and it was very very technical stuff. And I don't I think it was kind of using all the latest technology, uh, what was available back then. So, you know these these kinds of things I'm I'm really proud of because I, I you know it really pushed the limits of photography and lighting and all that kind of stuff back in well, those days. Also yeah. for sports, I mean you're really capturing the action in, in a, in a right. very artistic way as well. You're almost capturing right. the movement in a still photograph, which is amazing. Yeah. And then do you want to talk about artificial versus natural light 
Yeah, look, I mean, all I would have to say around that is that, you know, in the in the 90s and early 2000s, you know, flash on location was a pretty big thing mm -hmm. um, because of the equipment. You could then take a battery-operated flash and kind of, you know, bring studio lighting on location, which is how I did Elephant Boy and how I came up with the Ofti technique for the New York Times and all that. So, you know, at the end of the day, man, it's, it's you know, it's, your, it's light, light for photographers like paint for an artist. Yeah. You know, sure. you can, you can, you can do all sorts of things with it. And it's just a beautiful exploration every time you do it. And I think when you, when you know the language of light, then you, then you can rise above that to create anything you want pretty much. Yeah. Well, okay. So talking about transitions, we're going to transition into, well, I get your opinion on this. How do you feel about AI generated art and the effects it's going to have on photography? Is it something that you are going to be using is this something that you're nervous about is it a combination of the two i have a i have a friend who's kind of a famous photographer and he he's using it he's starting to work with it because he wants to know the medium but yeah. he also is like apologizing for using it so right. you know so how do you feel about it i think it's coming i think it's here i think there's absolutely not much we can do about it i think the only thing we can actually do is to learn more about it so that we can use it to our advantage you know yes. I, you know i think at the end of the day everything gets disrupted i think it's going to be a huge disruptor and you know again it's about mindset like in something like this what how do you look at this in a way that presents itself as an opportunity mm -hmm. so I, I do think it's going to have a huge impact especially on digital artists yes that's why i am leaning into analog i'm leaning in big time because i think what this is going to do it's going to make the human touch and the authentic real human element even more valuable and more revered completely it really is so you know it's like it's like an opportunity for us to get more human yeah with each other and i think i think in a way if you know if i just sort of think about this even on a, on a sort of a deeper level is you know technology has dehumanized us in a, in a lot of ways you know mm -hmm. uh through instagram and retouching and photoshop and this and that but now with ai now there's actually like it's like a real split it's like 100 okay, percent, yeah you know and so at least you know where you are right yeah yeah so i think i think it's generally uh, you know i'm gonna make it a good thing for me that's all i gotta say i'm yes. gonna figure it out it's yeah. funny because you know i know it's amazing i know the technology is amazing but for me as an artist, the moment I find out that it's AI generated, I'm like, well, and in, and even sometimes, I mean, some people say that they can tell there is not that human touch. I mean, part of what we love about art is it's created by a human being. It's infused with emotion. And even the story of that artist that went into it or the photographer, like your, yourself, what made you who you are? People right. get attached to that. And there's that's just gone with AI. Yeah. Now, yeah. you know, yeah, using it as a tool is interesting. I was listening to Tim Ferriss talking to Rick Rubin, and he was saying mm -hmm. it's interesting because it's really also shaking up the musical world because you, mm -hmm. you can have me, I could sing, and then you could turn it into Billie Eilish, and you would not totally. be able to tell, which is crazy. Right. But he said it's interesting to have it on in the background, like he would play it on a loop in the background and just find little interesting concepts that come out of that. Something that catches his ear, maybe find one or two mm -hmm. ideas a day and then use that as a tool to move forward. I, th I, th I mm -hmm. thought that was interesting. And yeah. Not just going, well, screw this. I'm not, we're not right. going to look at this. 
I don't think that's fared very well for the people who have denied what's coming down the pipeline. Yeah, I just don't, you know, don't fight it, get to know it. I would say learn of it, learn how you can learn how you can use it or use it as a as an inspiration to get more human, to get more yeah. real. You know, that's the thing about photography, as somebody showed me some AI stuff the other day and it was like portraits of these like this tribe in Papua New Guinea and I was like, "Geez, these are awesome." And I was like, everything's AI and I was like, "You got to be kidding." Yeah. Like, There's just no way and they're like, "Yep." Like, oh my God. And they so, can do it in the style of, you can go, oh, I, I need this yeah. in the style of Warwick Saint. And then totally. it'll, it'll recreate it. But I heard that there is like, you know how there's like a no call list? You can take your number off mm-hmm. of a robocall list. I guess they are going to be starting to do that. Like if you want to have your name off of the AI generated list, you can do that. So because right. I think there's going to be a lot of lawsuits that come out of that down the road. Yeah. 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 Look, it's a very, very powerful tool. Mm-hmm. And it's up to us how we want to use it, yeah, you know, or abuse it. It's going to be a lot of abuse, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of embracing technology, I know you have worked with some NFT artists. Is that interesting at all? Do you want to talk about that, or would you like to move on to something else? Uh, we can move on. I mean, it's a, it's a you know NFT is in a bit of a winter space right now. All I can say yes. is I am actually doing a fair amount of work, um, but it's more in the build phase and just sort of figuring out how to how to come out of this time i think nfts are definitely something that's going to be here to stay there's a lot that's going to be happening in the future and i think this shakedown it was really healthy yeah as all new technologies everybody get, gets on board and there's this hype and then this like shakedown and i think yeah. a lot of dead wood needed to be burned yeah but i think the utility of nfts is definitely something that's going to be around in the future and um you know there's a lot of movement that's happening under the covers right now Mm-hmm. Um, that will obviously emerge when when the, when the market starts coming back. And that's all I have to say. Yeah, fair mm-hmm. enough. Would you like to talk about your Million Gardens project? You know, th- there's a, a philanthropic project that I uh, am involved in. It's called Big Green. Mm-hmm. And it's it's spearheaded by Kimball Musk, who uh, he basically, you know, is trying to address food li- illiteracy in, in the country. Mm-hmm. And it's just an incredible cause because... It teaches kids how to grow food. Yeah. Super simple, super basic, first principles. And all the data has been done. And, you know, essentially what they do is they go into inner city schools and they put an outdoor learning garden right in the middle of the playground under shade structures. So it's a great place to teach. Mm -hmm. And the kids, they dig in the soil. And a lot of these kids, they've never seen like a, you know, think of lettuce. It's like, you know, they get their food from like 7-Eleven or whatever. It's just, it's really sad you know i know and this yeah. is addressing AM, that problem yeah. Yeah. yeah so this is addressing that problem it's it's kind of like exposing them to the true nature of magic they put a seed in the ground they learn how to nurture something take care of something and out comes a carrot and then they can eat the carrot it, it gives them the nutrition so it's you really can't argue with it and it's an incredible organization he's a you know kimball's really brilliant in the way he he um implements some of the systems to make sure that the money goes to where it needs to go and the they, they did a DAO last year, which I was partly involved in, you know, using blockchain technology to make sure that, you know, money gets to the right places. Yes. And uh, so, so we've auctioned off paintings and some Love Saints paintings at the, at the big uh, green gala. And then last year, he approached me to do um, a bunch of celebrities for the Million Gardens, which essentially was a, uh, a pivot because the, all the schools were closed during COVID. So they were figuring how to get gardens, these little um, growing gardens in, into people's homes. Mm. And um, so I shot Harrison Ford for it and Selma Hayek. And yes. uh, I can't even, I mean, there's lots of them, Aloe Black. And there was a bunch of bunch of people that I shot for the, for this project. And, you know, wherever I can use my 
my talents to to help make the world a better place is you know I'm totally open for it because we need it and a lot of the stuff I'd hate to say you know a lot of my work has been like well cosmetic companies where the cosmetics aren't that amazing for your skin and it's like the pictures are getting like really retouched and then they're creating oh, yeah. these aspirational things of beauty which you can't really get to and it's causing a lot of like issues around body dysmorphia and, and yeah. insecurities and I'm just like really I've been part of this process for much of my career and <laughs> and yeah unknowingly yeah, yeah but there was a point I sort of woke up to and I was but like actually I'm actually kind of part of the problem here and yeah. um you know I want to be, be more of the solution so um so anyway yeah. so I'm always welcome opportunities to to do to do good with with the talents that I that I have I love that. That's interesting. And and I know your wife is also involved with a lot of that stuff. My, yes. my wife and I watched a documentary about cosmetics and she just went into the bathroom and threw away like 80% of the stuff that we had. Right. So yeah, right. there's a lot more consciousness about the products that we're putting into and on our bodies these days. Yeah. Um, I know fitness is a big thing for you. What are you doing these days? How, what's your fitness routine look like? I'm also a big fitness guy. Yeah. I, I You know, my goal is to live to a hundred years old. And only a hundred. Um, Come on. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be happy with a hundred. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, right now I'm really just focused on strength training because I, I turned 50. Well, I just turned 51 actually. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. And uh, one of the best things you can do for hormones and um, anti-aging and all that kind of stuff is strength training. So Definitely. I'm yep. doing a, like a six month stint in that. I do a fair amount of cold plunging. I always make sure you eat well, like just having a, an awareness. You know, we get one of these bodies. You got to love the, you got to love the one you love the one you're with. Love the one you're with. And, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you do yeah. And also, hot. yeah, yeah the, the saunas, the cold plungers, I, I inject myself with NAD twice a week. Um, I was intermittent you fasting. That. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm, I'm I'm pivoting into uh, you know fine art world, and I want to have the energy, and I want to be able to be vital, and I want to always have a curious mind, and I want to have the yes. energy to do that. And um, you know the the wonderful thing about the body is it doesn't lie to you; it'll always tell the truth. Yeah, it doesn't play games. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And when you put in the work and you put in the time, you'll you will get the results, and that's a it's a great first principle practice to yeah. to do because this is the the vessel that i'm moving through the space-time continuum with and i want it to be as effective as it can possibly be yeah keep on your a game as long as you can absolutely I, yeah i'm also doing i'm my wife and i do nmn and we do red light therapy and i do hot cold cool. intermittent fasting as well i haven't eaten yet today so um, i try to do the 14 16 hour window it all helps Yeah, that's good it's better than what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can do it. Uh, what about, um, are you a meditation guy at all? I, I consistently meditate inconsistently. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> yeah. Right now I'm actually doing, right now I've actually do, I do this Abraham Hicks, like nine minute meditation in the morning, which is really great. It's on YouTube. It's like nine minutes. And it's like, today is a really great day. Today is an awesome day. Today is a great day because I am in resonance. And it just kind of does this like repeat. And you, oh. after the meditation, you're walking around, you're like, today is a great day. Today is an awesome day. Oh my God. Today's brilliant (laughs) it's like a mantra oh are you talking about um like esther and abraham hicks yeah 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 i I have i've listened to some of their books uh audiobooks that's great yeah i'll have to check that out i've never done that meditation yeah i'll send you i'm all about 
putting good stuff in your body. And we've got so many things to fight up against and energy and information to keep out and let in. So it's important to choose the right stuff. Um, 100%. Yeah. Well, is there something that you're interested in right now? Something you're looking forward to? Something you want to plug? I'd love to talk about the painting, actually, because I haven't really touched yes. on the, on that. So, For sure. Um, uh, you know, now, are you talking about I the mean, Love Saint series or beyond? No, I'm talking about the the, the solo work. Like yes. Love Saint is just one aspect, which is a very specific commission only thing. But yeah, we can talk a little bit about the process around that because let's that's talk about it as much as you want. I love it. All right. Cool. Um, and, so, and sorry to to stop you for a second. I didn't yeah. see much of that when I was doing the research. I know you were transitioning into that, but I I'm not sure if there was a little bit of secrecy on your a series that's coming out. But um, otherwise, I would have I would have asked about that right away. So I apologize. Yeah, no, no, it's all good. Well, you can definitely see some of it now because you can. Well, I'll, the website will be up tomorrow. But oh, cool. Uh, so essentially, you know, talking about this thing of like being part of the problem and. You know, you know, realizing that so much of my talents and everything that I'm doing, as much as I love taking shoot, doing shoots and, and arriving on a set and shooting LeBron James and all this kind of stuff, all that stuff is happening to sell a pair of shoes or to sell a bit of cosmetics or to sell, you know, yeah. like it's all being used to move somebody else's product, right? which I'm very happy to do and I love doing it. But at this point in my life, it's like, what do I want to say now? Like mm-hmm. I've done... I've had this incredible career as a photographer and I'm really interested in expanding into new frontiers and to challenge myself on a whole new level. So that's when in 2018, I did a couple of pictures of Willow Smith uh, and she she actually bought one of them for her album cover and I printed a bunch of stuff up and I was a bit like, what's going to look like to actually make this into something more than just a photograph? Mm-hmm. You know, like, let me see how paint works. Let me start experimenting. And that's when this process started and i've been pretty into it for the last four years and um it's been a very interesting uh expansion beyond the lens mm-hmm. very interesting it's you know essentially you know we uh, you know i'll set up a photo shoot i'll shoot people for the painting in mind mm-hmm. so there's this relationship that happens on set where you know photography is very meticulous it's a very meticulous craft you know, how the body's positioned, how, you know, if you want to create a really beautiful picture, everything has to be on point. But now I'm kind of shooting for paintings in mind. So I can be a little looser. The angles can be a little bit more extreme and the lighting gets dialed in more on a, like a painting level. Like I'm, I'm, I'm lighting it like a, like a painting. So I'm mm-hmm. sort of using light to capture a paint. And I, and I create these sort of what I call them lumiscapes. It's like, you know, these, figures i'll layer them in photoshop and create these big canvases of these figures and then comes the process of deconstructing and destroying the photograph with paint so now it's like so you have this relationship that's happening on set where i'm sort of the subject is influenced by me and i'm influenced by the subject there's this dance that that happens and then the results of that get printed onto big canvases and now there's this relationship between myself and the results of that photo shoot mm-hmm. and not only that but then there's a relationship between the person that i'm photographing and the canvas that's independent of me just purely from the physics of photography yes. like it's you know there's light that was captured that's not getting printed so then it becomes this process of you know what am i destroying what am i how am i using these two mediums or of, of photography and paint which are two very very different mediums and how do yeah. we 
resolve the tension that's get created when you put those two needles on the same surface. It's it's pretty intense. I love and, it. Um, it's yeah, it's been pretty. It's been pretty awesome, and it's like. You know, you kind of relight the photograph with glazing. You decide to destroy stuff. You, through the process of destruction, this emergent new kind of defiguration starts um, evolving and developing in front of your eyes. And then, you know, some of the work I'm really, really proud of. Like it really looks really good. And you you can see it on warwicksync.com. You're saying starting tomorrow, you're going to release more of the series? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, great timing. Yeah. We're going to yes, be putting exactly. this up on Tuesday. So if you're listening to this, it will already be up. So check yeah. it out. Uh, but I love also that you're going, it's almost like you're going from an external medium and taking it more internal, like what's going on inside of you instead of projecting it out, you're now taking it inside and then uh, chewing yeah. it out and putting it back out. Totally. I mean, yeah. you know, how do you create something that's like, again, like leaning into the analog, leaning into, yes. into you know, using my mastery as a photographer and and pushing it further, like, you know, uh, it's just, uh, you want to be on your edge. You want to be surfing the edge of your creativity. Don't mm -hmm. take things for granted. You know, when you're on top of your game, change your game. And it's change like, I'm it. changing the game now. Like, this is this is exciting for me. It's like, you know, this is a new frontier. And I believe it's a pretty kind of interesting genre of work because a lot of the research I've done, and, and you know, it's like, yes, photography and painting have been incorporated together, but a lot of the time it would be like, like John Baldessonaro would, would uh, Bolsonaro would, you know, do these like, film noir, like black and white prints, and then a big splodge of like yellow paint over Marilyn Monroe's face, and a big splodge of red paint over like Frank Sinatra's face. And, yeah. and, and that and that creative tension between the paint and the photograph, very apparent, like two different things in one. But this is more sort of integrated. It's more how to use the paint to, you know, def like this process of defiguration and where other forms start emerging and this other like meaning starts emerging through the process, which is really fascinating to me. It's a really, really interesting thing. And what I love about it is that it's, you know, when I'm in front of the canvas and I'm looking at a result of a photo shoot that you're not constrained by the dance of the relationship that you have in front of your subject. It's now you in front of the canvas. Mm -hmm. So you can do whatever the hell you want, really, which is kind of cool. It's freeing and too, I'm assuming. It's very freeing and it's very immediate. Yep. And it's very kinetic and it's very physical. And that's beautiful. Like there's a there's a there's a beauty in the brush being loaded up with paint and the brush making contact with the canvas. And that motion is now then recorded. It's also very symbolic. You're almost taking an old medium that you worked with and destroying it or it's a metamorphosis almost. You're coming out of your cocoon Absolutely. Now in a different way. I love that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Just challenging, challenging all the techniques of photography, challenging all of that and doing it with the, with the paintbrush and paint in hand and just being like, okay, let's not get precious about this. You know? and, and a little bit of a nod to your 17-year-old um, self as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, I've always... Ultimately, I've always wanted to be an artist ever since I was a kid. I just yeah. got distracted by photography for 25 years, which was awesome. That's that's also an artist, but yeah. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. Oh man, this is very exciting. Are you going to be unleashing this online only for the time being, or are you going to be having a show? Is this something going to be talk some, about? Some, I'm definitely going to be doing a show. I'm working on it now. You know, The plan is to have it end of 2023. I'm going to be going up to our place in Montana for the summer, just to kind of just go deep into the work. Um, so where so, about some Montana? I used to 
I used to do a basketball camp in Montana. Oh, cool. Yeah. Northwest, kind of Northwest. close to the border of Idaho. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's, I, know, I love that place. It's Beautiful. Awesome. So anyway, the, you know, the canvases are big. They're 60 by 90. Oh, some wow. of them are triptychs, like, you know, six feet high by about 11, 12 feet long, wide, shall I say. Nice. And uh, just, yeah, it's exciting, man. I'm, I'm, I, am, I am very, very excited. And I wake up with a beginner's mind every day. And I have the same feeling as I had when I was starting out in photography now as a Ooh. fine artist. It's like I, lo- I love hearing yeah. that. Yep, yep. Talk about, we were talking about complacency earlier, and I'm not saying you were getting complacent, but that, man, when you have that spark again, ooh. Yeah. I love it. Oh, I love I, it. there was a period I did get complacent. Yeah. There was definitely a period I did, and I and the work showed for it. I'm going to be vulnerable. It's like, I was just, you know, after a few years, I looked back at my photography, and I was like, what the fuck was that? You're probably getting caught up in the wheel a little bit. You must have had some sort totally. of fatigue as well. Yeah, a little bit. And, you know, it's, what's interesting is, you know, everyone wants, wants, wants to see super creative work and they're like, oh my God, this guy's great. Okay, now can you shoot this against the white background? <laughs> oh God, yeah. This is amazing. We're gonna pay you. And we're gonna, <laughs> exactly. And we're going to pay you a fuck ton of money for it. And I'm like, great, the money, yay. And then you, you, know, you end up doing that for five years and then you look at your portfolio and it's just a bunch of pictures against the white background. Yeah. yeah. So always keep your personal stuff going, man. Always keep your personal work going. You know, never oh, lose man. that because that's important. That's got to add to the tension as well in these pieces. It's got to be just like an unleashing of some totally. pent up cre- uh, creative uh, aggression, you know? Yeah. And energy. Yeah. Uh, maybe not aggression, but energy. 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 It's energy. all about energy. Energy. Very energy. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I wouldn't say aggression. It's definitely energy. It's, it's dynamic and it's energetic. I've always been that. I mean, I'm very much an energy guy. Yeah. I studied, studied Chinese Kung Fu for many years when I was 13 to 22. And Yep. And my, when I'm on the shoot, it's all about energy. I'm very physical. There's a lot of movement and vibe. And the same with the painting. You know? Like yeah. I step in, I make the mark. I step back, I look. I step in, make the mark. The music's going. <laughs> it's all happening. It's, just, it's fun. you got to keep it fun and up and fresh. I always tell people, I know when a painting's working when I'm like dancing in the studio. I'll be just... 100%, man. Oh, Fuck I love yeah. it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, now I'm really excited to see this. I, I feel like we should have made this whole show about this. But you know, this is great—a little teaser for people to. Uh, yeah, to maybe out. we'll come back. Maybe I'll come back and we can talk about it. Yeah, to the photo show. for sure. And please let me know if you do a, a show somewhere where I can see this. Oh, absolutely, will. Yeah, yeah. So everybody, check that out. Uh, give give them your site one more time where they can see yeah. this. Yeah, warwicksaint.com. W a r w i c k s a i n t dot com. Check it out. And then you can find you on Instagram as well at Warwick Saint. Warwick Saint, you will not be disappointed. All of these, all of your work, I'm loving. Everything that I've delved into, I've really loved. So I'm going to end with a few personal questions. I always ask everybody this. I'll probably leave it to about two. Do you have time for two more questions? I do. Okay. Um, yeah. You're very <laughs> present. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, we can and we can talk about energy more because I'm all about that as well. Even you were talking about the Abraham meditation. Yeah. That's, that's all energy too, man. Dude, bring on, bring on the energy conversations because as an artist, the, the, the quantum field and the energy of paint and the energy of photography and light and photons, I mean, it's all energy and we have these incredible tools to capture it and, you know, show it and, you know, reconfigure it and that's what it's all about. And not only that, but the emotional energy which gets transported through a painting or a work of art, I mean, that is what it's all about, man. It's like when somebody feels something when they look at it, they're feeling the energy, the transmission of energy. 
You're absolutely it's right. It's deep. Yeah. I don't know if you know anything about my work. I don't expect I you do. to, but but I, I did do. Awesome. Oh, okay. I did do. Um, thank you. I did some uh, pop surrealism, some figurative stuff for the first half of my career. I did 14, 15 years of this. And when I transitioned into abstract, some people who recognized my work as figurative were like, what are you doing? You know? And for me, it was just an explosion, just like what you're talking about. And I talked to people about it's really just infusing emotion onto canvas like everything that everything that's on there it's not just color and texture and composition yep. it, it is but it's also whatever i was feeling in that moment stuff that i'm bringing back from past you know childhood it's all swirling up and mixing on on in those paint and going on the canvas so i love to hear 100%. you talk about that yeah, yeah. that's it's, that's great art is when you transcend all the elements yeah Right, what makes a great photograph? You transcend all the great lighting and the great techniques and the great this and the great that, and ultimately you want someone to feel something. There's that intangible. Yes, you can't. What I don't know why this. It's it goes back to the AI too. I think there's this intangible human element to it when art is done well. Yes. And how do you keep yourself? If we're talking about energy, how do you keep yourself not just positive but moving forward in a passionate way? today with all the all the noise there's definitely been some uh some heavy energy right. in the past few years uh, i felt it i know everybody's felt it how do you keep yeah. yourself moving forward right now don't look at the news really trying to avoid the news yeah right you know don't have a tv in the house oh yeah that's i would say yeah trying to have a tv in the house like we have, I have, we have a projector so if we, we want to watch something it's an active like an active thing you know there's no actual like TV, like getting piped in, we kind of watch a movie or something. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a mindset, man. It's like you just gotta, you know, it's like that. What's the serenity prayer? They give me the the humility to know what I can't change, and the strength to know what I can, and the, and the wisdom to know the difference. To know the something difference, like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep. yep. And that and, and that's and that that's very much alive in me. It's like a lot of the stuff I can't I can't control, and what I can control is what what's immediate around me, mm -hmm. and and, you know, the relationships with my son, with my family, you know, what I'm doing out there in the world, how you move around the world, having compassion and love and kindness. I, I was very fortunate enough last year to go and visit the Dalai Lama and I was managed to photograph him, oh, which wow. is awesome. That's amazing. And, uh, love and kindness, man. Love it's and kindness. simple stuff. Peace you and know? love, bro. Yeah. Peace and love, bro. Yeah. I'm an, I'm an Eckhart Tolle guy. I love Eckhart Tolle. And he was yeah. somebody who was really instrumental in me kind of transitioning out of being an angry young artist who was drinking too much into kind of reconnecting with myself and becoming a more conscious person. I don't know if you have listened to that. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I've, done it all. I've done it all. Like the quantum, I've done the Hoffman process. And oh, yeah. <laughs> at all and all these different things. I love a good bit of personal development stuff. Oh, we have, we have all these, yeah, we have all these incredible tools and we know so much more about the human psychology now that we should use them you know we don't you know 50 years ago they didn't have access to this kind of stuff yeah so it's yeah. great to be able to use it and we do know a lot more about how energy works in the quantum field and how we can manifest stuff and how you know we you know our lives become what they think what we think it is you know and it's all this kind of stuff it's like you have to be the gatekeeper of your mind mm -hmm. you have to it's a sacred space and you have to be very careful of what you let in and what influences you I couldn't have said it better myself. I yeah. think we've always known these things. Athletes have known it for a long time. You know, visualizing what you want to achieve, really seeing yep. it clearly. 
it's very powerful. You can do that in your own life. I have one episode where I talk about the law of attraction. I know it's kind of one of those things that's a little woo-woo for some people. So I, t- I try to bring it down to reality. You know, a bit, but, yeah. yeah. You know who's actually really good who takes the woo-woo out of it is Dr. Joe Dispenza. Yes, I, I know. Check him out. Yep. Yep. It's, it's, it comes from a very quantum physical place. It's really, really good. And yeah. I think one thing to note about this thing is that, is that it's very important to know that it works both ways. In other words, if you're worried about something and really fearful about something, worried and worried about it, you're going to manifest that stuff, man. Oh, yeah. So oh, worrying yeah. is praying for what you don't want. Yeah. Even if you're putting it out there, I really want this, I want this, and you're fearful the whole time. Well, that's more totally. powerful than, than totally. you saying the words, I want a million dollars or whatever. And yeah, gratitude. Gratitude is the is the base emotion for this kind of stuff. If you if you really want something to happen, like feel the gratitude in the body that it's already happened. It cuts through all of yeah. that gratitude. Yeah. Do you have a gratitude practice? Uh, you know, again, everything I do is inconsistent because I don't really have a routine. <laughs> but yes, I do have a, I, I have got my gratitude book that, you know, sometimes I do like a two week stint where every morning I wake up and I write down what I'm grateful for. And, you know, cool. what you appreciate appreciates, man. So, so it is important. And, what you um, resist yes, persists and what you, yeah, appreciate appreciates. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was, one of the things was daily routines. I guess that's something we've kind of covered, but I always ask this question. There's pushback every time, but I don't mm-hmm. mean it necessarily exactly how I say it. Biggest failures. Is there something that you really wanted at some point in your life or something that you tried to achieve you didn't and was a major learning experience for you? Is there anything that pops hmm, to mind? That's a good question. You know, I never shot the cover of American Vogue, you know? Yeah. Or British Vogue. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, th- I definitely, at the beginning of my career, was on track to for that to happen and i think i got a little bit uh you know i got a little bit sidetracked by taking jobs for money and losing that real artistic element it's like i you know so i think i think that was it but again you know was it a failure was it uh, it's difficult to say like well what by what career and what perfect career and perfect life am i trying to compare myself to here right yeah, yeah that's so true. I think, I think if anything, it's a signpost, you know, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. I think I've, I've, I've kind of let all that go now because, you know, uh, I'm, I'm here where I am now and it's awesome. And so I'm grateful for everything that's brought me to this point. And um, so I would say no, no real failures. Just, I would just say learning experiences. Yes. I love <laughs> it. it. No, it's true. They all are. Even the, the worst things that ever happened to me in my life, I look back on and I'm so thankful they happened. I'm always right, of like, course. Every time. So now I've gotten to the place where I'm like, when something bad is happening to me currently, bad in air quotes, I'm right. automatically looking at this five years down the road and already looking back and going, ah, I'm gonna appreciate this. Yeah, <laughs> we don't you, you just don't know. There's a great saying of like, oh, so and so break his leg. That's terrible. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. And then yeah. and then the army comes in and recruits everybody to go to war, but they don't take the guy that's got the broken leg. Oh, exactly. so that actually is a good thing. You know, these kinds of things, you just don't know, right? You just don't know. Yeah. So, you, you know, we just don't know. We have to be grateful for all of it and just know that, you know, everything that happens, happens for you and not to you. And I think it's really, really important to always check if you're being the victim or the perpetrator in anything, yeah. in anything. Yep. And, you know, ultimately we want to be the author of our life. And, you know, there's a lot of victim perpetrator stuff out there. And then, of course, the savior comes in. So you've got this triad, which is very, oh, yeah. very, very, very prevalent in our this culture. is happening so a lot now. Super yeah. aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's uh, amazing. I, I love that. I completely agree. Also, I wanted to say to you, Warwick, you're you're a young man, you know. So you've got your Fuck yeah, dude. You're not even you're not even halfway through your career. Are you are you kidding me? That's one of the yeah, beauties about being old. an artist, right? No, yeah, I know. I didn't exactly. say, <laughs> I was 50. I'm 50 years young, dude. That's right. No, no, I'm very, I'm very young and I have very much a beginner's mind and I want to keep that and I want to keep learning and keep curious and keep all these characteristics because that's really, really important. It's like, what are your values and live them? And curiosity is one of them. It, keep curious, it, man. And that's also one of the biggest anti-aging secrets out there, right? Staying yeah. curious, keeping that energy. Yeah. Well, we'll end with one last question. And this is advice to young Warwick. Any age. It doesn't have to be photography or art or painting advice. It could be life lessons, life right. advice. Yeah, don't don't look at others for approval. Don't seek approval from others. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got everything. You've got everything what it takes, and just you know, sit still, be calm, and drop into that intrinsic knowing that is there. You just got to quieten everything around it so you can hear that soft voice and go with that. I love it. You're That's talking to a people to pleaser. Yourself. Yeah. What's that second? So that's the advice to my young self. That's advice to anybody listening. So hopefully yeah. everybody has not tuned out because that's very important. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. It was really cool talking to you. Uh, I love your work. I'm excited to see this new painting series. I was already loving the Love Saint series. And I yeah. really am excited to see this this new drop you got going tomorrow. Totally, man. I'm excited too. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Preston. It was really, really cool to talk to you. Awesome. Well, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll catch up next time. All right. See All you, right. Man. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. This has been the Living Artist Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I just want you to know that I appreciate you being here, and I'm grateful to be in your ears. Your art and creative life on this planet is meaningful, so thank you for sharing it with me. If you like this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on, please subscribe and share it with your friends. You can also leave me a positive review to show your support. This helps me to reach more people with the algorithmic magic and keep the show going strong. If you want to see more of what I do and check out the art that I create, you can visit my website at www.pmsartwork.com or follow me on social media everywhere at PMS Artwork. That's it for now. See you back here next time.